What's up, everyone? On the pod today, we're doing a little bit of a bonus pod, talking about what's going on out there in the world. And uh, joining me, I have Roger Camaro of uh, Retaliate, No Motive, The Warriors, and a million other bands. Uh, say hi, Roger. What's up? And then hey, guys. Also, we got Steve Choi from RX Bandits. How you doing, Steve? What's up, guys? Um, so, obviously, you know, I'll put out this pod tonight or tomorrow. So, it is current. We're recording this on Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Um, a lot going on, on out in the world. And Roger and Steve have both been very passionate and outspoken about what's going on. And, uh, you know... When when you have a platform like I do right now, uh, that's not built up like just by me. It's built up on the strength of, you know, a group of friends that share it and a group of listeners that, you know, listen and believe in it and so forth. And although this is generally not a political podcast and we talk about punk rock, um, I think that a lot of what's going on right now, you know, it can't get swept off into simply someone saying like, oh... You know, I don't want to talk about politics because um, I think politics and values are different. Um, and that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about here, or uh, at least what I will talk about if I get, if I talk. But uh, I wanted to pass it off to uh, Roger and Steve to, uh, to do this thing. Um, I'll just start off by saying that... Uh uh, we're just, I'm speaking for myself in this point of view, but I'm, I'm a musician, uh, a recording engineer. These are the things that, um, I could speak endlessly about for hours and, and give you a pretty detailed talk. Um, but I think what, what I want to touch on from my point of view in this uh, discussion is um, this is something that really touches the heart. And um, when you could feel the energy, um, even at this time with uh, the coronavirus and for me personally, just being um, at home, not really leaving for any reason, um, it's, it's quite a thing to see from, from my point of view. And, um, I mean, for much of my adulthood, it's been, especially in the past four years, been increasingly troublesome to see what's happening out there. And, um, I think like so many other people, uh, Unfortunately, we've just grown so accustomed to a lot of the terrible things that are going on out there. And um, I think uh, a few years ago, we were we were first kind of revisited with this um, racial injustice. Um, it was uh, who was it? Eric Gardner, Gardner, who uh, was killed, and that was. Um, the start of the uh, I Can't Breathe um, kind of movement. Um, and we're, we're revisiting it. And then some, it's been, all of this has been mounting. It's been growing before our eyes. And uh, it's been really tough to watch. And um, I'm just really thankful to, to see out there the amount of uh, unity being brought together by um, the public. Uh, it's, it's a powerful thing. Um, you literally can't go anywhere without something reminding you that this level of racial injustice, um, systemic racism is just at at maximum and it's it's one of the it is in my lifetime the most disturbing thing i've ever experienced just to just to hear um at length 
what has been happening in the past few years, but more so now, along with the great showing of unity is uh, some some pretty horrific uh, segregation going on. And uh, we're at a critical time in our country, and there's, there's no um, doubt about that. So when I, when I interject or speak up on anything in this, um, this is really from the heart, just kind of feeling, uh, feeling the tension and, and, uh, and every, and all the emotions involved in this. Yeah. Roger, I think you should give a little bit of your background and then also, uh, maybe speak on why you're taking the COVID thing so seriously, trying to stay inside. Uh, yeah. So, um, I staying here at home because my brother and I are, uh, we live with, with our elderly parents, um, with, with some ongoing health issues. So, um, we are in that category of how the elder elderly people, um, need to be living with this, uh, going on the pandemic going on so um it doesn't really matter that i'm just a 41 year old 40 year old um i have to think about it in terms of protecting my family so uh what i what i do usually really involves a lot of social interaction and uh since march uh i've really been at home for for the most part so um that's uh that's what's going on here i usually just record bands so not not a whole lot of that going on since uh we can't really run the studio safely um yeah is that where you're what you were kind of alluding to me talking about i think you also just wanted to say that you're not a white dude oh yeah um i am (laughs) i i grew up I was born in, in Camarillo, grew up in Oxnard, and um, I, up until my, uh, what was it, sophomore year of high school, I spent all of my education in uh, in a private Catholic school. So I went to schools that had a pretty low population, uh, a very personal experience. Um, because you pretty much know practically everybody at your school. Um, but, uh, a reason for this kind of passion and, and fire, uh, that I feel along with so many others, um, I'm sure Steve can speak at length about this as well to grow up in, uh, the eighties in, in California, in America, to um, immigrant parents who worked their asses off to get us to America, um, we were we were faced with uh, you know some struggles here in our in our social upbringing, school wise, um, and uh, I feel like without going into too much detail. I, I think that um, I suffered from a lot of uh, racial, not a lot, but a fair share of racial bullying throughout um, my 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 younger life. So um, the perspective that I have on things is is uh, I could I feel like when I see these people hurting, it, it really, it hurts me just as, just as much because it, it really reminds me of the struggles that we've had growing up as Asian Americans. Um, and I mean, being, growing up in the, in that time and, and having, getting teased and, and stuff like that, that's one thing, but to, um, you know, Steve and I have spent a lot of our adulthood traveling the world and um, it's, it's safe to say that 
uh, we experience uh, some pretty pretty horrific um, behavior by by people around the country. So um, yeah, we we kind of have this unique perspective of, on things that I think uh, really when we see everything going on around us, it, we ha- we have such a, a large scope of seeing what the country is like. And so uh, I think it just kind of hits us in a, in a certain way. Steve, do you want to jump in? Cool. Yeah. I was just letting Roger uh, say his thing, but I guess just to give some context, uh, Roger's Filipino and I'm Korean American. He's Filipino American. I'm Korean American. So, we're Asian guys so that we kind of frame this conversation because I think that has a lot to do with the position that we speak from because although we are minorities, we are still, uh, although our experiences are different, our experiences are similar in that it's separate of what the black community is experiencing now and what they've experienced for so long. So a little background on myself. Uh, Me and Roger are essentially the same age a year apart. I grew up in, Northern California town called Santa Rosa. It's about 60 miles north of San Francisco. So it's like kind of like an upper middle class, idyllic wine country setting. In the 80s, I was definitely like one of three Asian kids in the whole town. It's like a city of like 100,000 people. Um, I never had to deal with super heavy overt racism, um, although it definitely happened. Ski trips here and there, certain students. But I did deal with a lot of that really passive racism, stereotypes, kind of limiting your your social, uh, I guess, your social experience because of your Asianness and just kind of always being boxed in. And I'm, I'm saying that not to victimize myself or create sympathy, but I say that so that um, people know that I've understood that even that was a privilege. Honestly, to get called Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan or, you know, whatever other Asian stereotypes were constantly chucked at me is still a privilege compared to having to fear for your life and being systematically like oppressed through various faculties and institutions. And then to also, uh, on top of that, I've, you know, I've never had to fear for my life uh, with interactions with police officers. I grew up skateboarding. And I had lots of interactions with local police. And I realize now how lucky I was to be able to mouth off to them and and just basically not take it as seriously, you know, as a lot of people who are black in America have to take it. Um, and, you know, especially with what I consider to be essentially America's second civil rights movement going on right now, I, although we people like Roger and I dealt with our own hardships uh, have to be grateful that like I just said, I never had to fear for my life at the hands of uh, the institutions that are supposed to serve us. And this may be a duh for a lot of people. It's just extra infuriating and baffling because these greatest atrocities are happening to the very people that were the largest part of building this goddamn country. And, uh, this may normally be a punk rock podcast, but I'm, I'm all about it because my personal experience of punk rock is that it's political as hell. And I know there's a lot of punk rock that isn't, that goes in a different genre. But I think anybody who's really delved deep, you, you're going to like some bands that are political, you know, some bands that take a social and political stance. And for me, my favorite bands were uh, always of that sort, to be honest. I mean, I like stupid punk too, fun, fun punk fans, but my favorites were always the ones that uh, had a real uh, compelled message. So yeah, that's my beginning spiel, you know, about this whole thing. Okay. Um, Roger, how do you feel about what's going on right now? And uh, why do you feel that this is a little bit different than some of the other things that have happened? Uh, uh, you know, between 2014, uh, Ferguson... And and now, there's just a there's a whole lot 
that has happened um, in the in really the past three months um, with the COVID nineteen side of things, and then um, this racism, uh, police brutality, uh, racial violence going on, um, and uh, you know, I think. At, at some point in time, uh, you, you can't avoid thinking about um, how things have been played out from the very top, about how this COVID-19 um, situation has been handled by the president. And, um, and then we move on to what's, what's happening now with... Um, all the injustice happening and his attitude and his uh, actions to, to all this, um, the, the rushing of the opening of the economy versus the um, instigating of pretty much instigating of violence on violence um about racial injustice it just kind of it really it really says something when we have two extremely terrible things happening um on completely different sides of the spectrum but then we're we're seeing how these two things are being handled um by literally everybody you know so uh it's just it's just been such a captivating thing to to witness um, from my perspective I mean I I'm just trying to take in as much um, of people's uh, real first person account of these peaceful uh, protests happening and trying to absorb that and and the positivity of everything going on because for every positive thing that's happening, it seems like there's something like really shockingly disturbingly happening at the same time, um, such as uh, this kind of newfound um, acceptance of, of like it, what feels like empowerment to the uh, white supremacist community um, in in this time of COVID nineteen, you you see this rise. I'm, I'm speaking on on things like where where I live now in Orange County. Um, people feeling like it's it's chill to just fly a Nazi flag in Huntington Beach in the year 2020. Like what? <laughs> Where's where's the fuel coming from? You know what I mean. It's like some some something someone people are feeding this, um, stoking the fire. Um, you know, it's like it's such a complex um, time in in our history, and um, it's it's kind of hard to, to absorb because um, it's just a lot. And, I, and I'm sure everyone else is, is overwhelmed. So I can only share in this like sentiment that uh, um, for, for me, I feel like it's really making a difference out there seeing the extremely large amount of people coming together, fighting for, um, equality and it's you know with with all the 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 negative side of things going on this is this is prevailing for sure and to see it um everywhere you turn is a powerful thing and um kind of turning turning the mood around it i think like the thing that feels so empowering to me now is the widespread attention and no matter where you go, if you want to go on Spotify to listen to music, if you want to play video games with your friends, 
if you want to watch the TV, if you want to read publications, there is no avoiding this. And we've reached this, we've reached the point where the people, the people are, are finally getting their, their voices heard, you know, um, to see this much protest happening um, consecutive days. Um, it's a powerful thing. And I, I really hope that, I hope it doesn't stop. You know, this is what it takes. Yeah. Roger, what I, I think that one thing we should do is we're 20 minutes in. So with people listening, maybe uh, you're not, if, if people are not informed of what's been happening, um, let's bring them up to speed a little bit. So I think that you, you did a good job of, uh, of creating context that a lot of things happened, you know, within the last few months. And that's maybe why, um, you know, people had enough this time. We should say that, that maybe the first incident, um, you're referring to is the Ahmad Arbery that, that happened about three Mm -hmm. months ago. Um, the jogger that was gunned down for nothing. Um, you know, and it's on, it's on fucking tape. And it still takes like seventy five days or whatever for for them to get like charged with murder, right? So that's pretty insane. Yeah. Um then you had in May uh the Brianna Taylor shooting. Mm-hmm. So which would which is like completely unfathomable, like to bust into someone's house and, and shoot them. Like that's like how many how many mistakes are made along the way for something so tragic to happen. That's fucking insane. That's not like, that's not one psychopath. That's like just a bunch of, of terrible decisions going into, to a a tragedy. Um, you know, and then you had, um, the, well, COVID related, you know, a few weeks ago you had like the people marching onto the Michigan state house, um, to protest, like opening up society and like to see the way that they were treated. Like, you know, I, I saw like 13 year old girls, like pushing cops and like dudes, like screaming in cops faces and the cops are just like standing there taking it and like letting these people like vent their frustration and so forth. Um, so when this stuff gets set off now, um, I think that that stuff is so recent that you juxtapose it against it. And like, it's like you, your point, like the point has been made. People are treated completely differently. Um, Because in a lot of these situations we've seen over the last week or two, um, the protests can be completely nonviolent and the violence starts um, from the side of the police, you know, that sets it off. Um, so those are some instances leading up to uh, to what happened. And Roger, you can you can jump in again. Sorry. And and of course, oh, no, you're of, good. no, and of course the the George Floyd killing, which is one of the most disgusting things that you could ever watch in your life, um, is completely unconscionable. So uh, it's those those in in my opinion, it's all those incidents. Um, smooshed together that like makes it impossible to look away from this. And then also, you know, also in a minor one, but it, it encompasses more people, I think um, in a way of that. It's just like, it, it gave an example of just like the subtle, not subtle, but like disgusting racism coming from someone you wouldn't necessarily expect was like that, the, that thing, the video from the central, the central park, where the dude was like bird watching and like the, the lady just like unleashed on him. Like I'm going to call the cops and say, uh, African American man is attacking me. Like that was so vile. And then it came out like she was actually like an Obama donator. Like she had donated, donated to Obama's campaign and shit. So like, you know, in her head and like probably the perception of her from her friends, like leading up to that moment, like she was like a, a normal, like metric, politan person of the city in new york that is not racist and you know is a normal fucking person but then this incident brings out that vileness and i think there's a lot of concern that um 
you know, how many people have that in them? Like, we don't know, you know, just like normal ass people that, that we're around all the time. And we think are, you know, worldly yeah. people and not racist. And they have, maybe they have that in them. Like that, that lady had in central park. That's fucking scary. So what I think is so heartening about the protests is how multicultural there are and how many people are standing up and, and realizing like the true injustice is out there. Um, and let's pass it back to Troy. Yeah, what, what that lady did just going along with central park, Karen is she essentially put on display for the whole world that lever that white people in America have that they can use at any time. And she may have believed that she was non-racist or whatever, but regardless, she felt so mad or she felt the need to defend herself or to attack the guy back that she kind of lost all thought and instantly pulled out that lever and yanked on it so hard that it's so plain for everybody to see like what exactly the system that someone like her can manipulate to oppress people of color is. She even comes from a brokerage firm that has extensive uh, ethnic sensitivity training. You know, um, I read a little bit about it and, you know, the fact that she was so willing to do that just to get back at somebody that was pissing her off because essentially it started with the guy telling her to put her dog on a leash, right? And like, you know, to do that, it just put it on display for the world. She just picked the year 2020 when you can just be put on blast, you know? And I think I'm watching the full spectrum of white America kind of like squirm under this pressure. I see a lot of people with strong character stepping up and accepting their role because they have some intelligence and they understand that they don't have to feel this deluge of guilt or that their whole life is a lie just because they understand that they've been uh, given an advantage by a system, you know? And I think that's what a lot of these people that are really lashing out are having a hard time with. And I actually have some empathy for that. I can't imagine what it would feel like. I don't have that on my conscience of knowing that my descendants and my people directly, you know, committed so many crimes against humanity. And uh, so I get it, you know. I actually have understanding when people aren't getting this whole term of white privilege right away. I can understand the small mind that feels attacked because they're so entitled and self-centered and so used to being told in this frankly, like a, a very common Western American philosophy, which is everything you do is great. You know, I see that kind of parenting all the time. Uh, and I understand, I can understand why they're just going to, their head is going to quote unquote explode a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I, I watch it. I watch it in discourse on social media. I watch it in the uh, eyes of these officers that are attacking kids, putting out Black Lives Matter signs. I'm sure we've all seen that. Uh, I see it in the tone of people that just can't help but blurt out all lives matter because, you know, they're just not accepting it, you know? And they they look at institutionalized racism and they think they're looking at equality. They look at pro athletes or rappers or starters, you know, founders of street brands and they think they have equal opportunities never giving thought to those being very, very, very narrow fields with low success rates that may have high, high rewards, but the odds of making it with the population that we have are just, you know, and, you know, that's just one of many, many things. Um, but I also think it's great because what these people don't realize, the racist, entitled, uh, oppressive voices, is that they're exposing themselves. <laughs> they don't even understand how the fact that they cannot agree with something, but they can't ignore it. They have to go attack somebody or tear signs down or push people. How that doesn't expose their racism. You wouldn't even be that triggered if it wasn't true. You know what I mean? Like Otherwise, you could just be like, oh, that's bullshit and ignore it because I know in my heart that's not true. I think we all know that that carries some weight. Of course, there's nuance to that and there's going to be exceptions. But 
as a generalization, like I feel intellectually sound, you know, behind that, where it just exposes them for just being like, not basically it exposes them for being so afraid of the system that they're so comfortable with changing that they freak the fuck out. Period. We just see them freak the fuck out because they're like, no, because our police department won't be able to do this or no, because I won't be able to just like do what I want and not have a black guy tell me what to do as one human to another, you know? And they don't realize how they expose themselves saying, if you're going to, science is going to tell us to stay home because of a virus then fuck you, you're, you're, you know, infringing on my freedoms. And then now when the protests start, these are the same people and we've seen the memes going online going, hey, come on guys, you know, it's curfew, you should stay home. If you get shot in the face because you're five minutes past curfew, then you deserve it. You know what I mean? It's like, and they're really uh, casual conflation of, well, they shouldn't have started looting. It's like, you don't have to be like a member of Mensa or a Harvard professor to just look at even major network news and see all the peaceful protesters and then use your mind to go, wait, but the looting is when it's dark and all the protests I saw were when the sun was up. Could it be that there was other people that weren't involved with that? But they're just kind of skipping over all these things like anybody with a weak position does. Anybody. It's like arguing with a child, you know? They'll just like, you'll bring up a point to them, but rather than addressing it or denying it, they just move it on. You know, it's, we've all been in those kind of conversations. People, so, um, yeah, but that said, you, you know, also, also, I just want to say that like, you have to be a little empathetic with people that like do want to burn it to the fucking ground, right? Because, I mean, you take the example of, of someone like, you know, Colin Kaepernick, who does like the ultimate example of a nonviolent protest for That's this right. very, for this very fucking reason, right? For yeah. for uh, the way that police were were treating minority communities, that was the reason that he took a knee. And in fact, I read somewhere they went down. I read somewhere once that uh, initially he was he was uh, he just sat it out, like he sat on the bench during the right. uh, during the national anthem, and uh, he had a friend that was a veteran and said, "You know, I think that sitting down is a little disrespectful. Um, maybe you take a knee in protest, and that's like a little more respectful." And, and he did that, and he still got shit on sure. by fucking everyone. Um, you know, yeah. people came out; they were able to twist it from he was doing it for a very specific purpose, which is this purpose. And they shit on him and turn it into him being un-American and anyone else that was kneeling, uh, you know, hates the military and is un-American and doesn't respect the flag and this and that. And it was like, man, they were, they were able to very successfully get like X amount of the country on board with that. And so when you've seen someone that actually has like, he, he had the platform to do that. And did like, you know, the ultimate nonviolent protest and gets shit on and nothing fucking changes. How can you be upset when someone takes a different approach? Like we've seen that approach and it got shit on and didn't work. You know, so I'm, right. you know, personally, you know, like, I don't know if I'm on board with people, um, you know, burning down buildings and looting, but I, I understand like the fucking feeling behind it when when there's that example of like someone that does it uh the nonviolent way on a huge platform and gets total he gets his his total platform mis misrepresented and shit on so i mean i have total empathy for people that just like you know they're they're like what will work you know i have to do something drastic to get attention on this issue you know totally it, it should totally be noted that several, like, count so many players of the NFL said this is about police brutality. This is about racial injustice. This has nothing to do with the flag. We are not trying to disrespect the flag or, or the veterans. Uh, this is what it's about. And so many people went went to bat for that to have literally 
just the most ignorant like answer to that, you know? You know, it was such typical gaslighting, dude. Yeah. It was such typical gaslighting. I want I want to give a quick example is that Mike Pence, the vice president of the country, spent I think it was was it fucking like eight million dollars or something to pull that fucking stunt? Like he flew to an Indianapolis Colts game and he has to have the Secret Service around him and so forth. It might have been eight hundred thousand, whatever the fuck. Shit ton of money to just go to the game so he could walk out when the players took a knee. You know? It's like that is insane. Anyway, sorry. The theater of politics, man. I mean, and you have to ask yourself, why did they have such a problem with it? Why would they have a problem with a guy representing so much of that business, the NFL, speaking up about something that was serious? I don't know if I'm right, but I can only deduce that they didn't want him stirring up any shit. They wanted him to fall in line, play his role, be happy with what he was given, and not say anything, you know? And what you said, Zach, about looting and rioting, I feel the same way. I didn't mention it because I can still understand the the detriment uh, that that could also serve to the cause that they're trying to champion. But, you know, I've had to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations, already a handful of them with people that don't seem to understand that. Because especially us being Asian, uh, our people in America are susceptible to a very, very uh, dangerous sort of entitlement too, where oftentimes a lot of Asians in America are seeking the approval of white America. And so they start to adapt these taglines. And that's been resonated by white America's creation of that whole model Asian, you guys are good citizens, you're good at studying shit. And um, I've had to kind of use this analogy where I said, you know, let me put it this way. If you just saw a guy, forget his color, and his child, his wife, his brother was killed, and you saw him smash up his whole house. He was literally taking bases and throwing them against the wall, tore his TV down, whatever. I think most people would still be like, damn, that's crazy. But, I mean, his family member just died. So, you know, we, we see these examples where we have this tolerance for it. Now multiply that by hundreds of years and millions and upon millions upon millions of people. Not to mention that we even have a black population here because of the slave trade. You know what I mean? Like they weren't indigenous to North America either. So I think that that's what a lot of people aren't understanding. Do I personally think it serves a cause? No, but how hard is it for people to understand that human emotions so oftentimes when we have our heart broken, when we're scared, when we're angry, how often do we lose control? Everybody's lost control. Everybody slammed a door, broken something. You know what I mean? Like, and the fact that that is not even being understood as part of humanity because they would accept that from their somebody else that wasn't a group of black people. I think a lot of it has to do with the fear of the black community and literally passive racist views on them already being prone to like violence and destruction, you know? Roger. Yeah. Um, that's a lot to take in. Um, and I think that that's what we're, we're kind of seeing right now is, uh, I think as long as, as if we could keep this up, Bill, there will be a time where I think we start seeing people turning on what they felt so normal for their entire lives because that's the fact of this matter is that this, this country was kind of built upon that and uh, it's a heavy thing to shake and that's that's something that um, you know of course people have, have their different views upon what, what that is but to me it's it's just so extremely clear like this way of the past, there, there's a large group of, of people that, that want to see this prevail. And uh, this amount of protesting 
and revolting against this is a clear, very clear indication that um, right now is the time to uh, to really make this change. So uh, maybe we should maybe focus on now um, the the type of things that can be done to to support this movement that we have going on. Yeah, I mean, we should just say that, you know, equal rights does not mean that someone's trying to come and take your fucking rights. So stop being so scared, people, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, like, it's striving for equality. Like, I don't I don't even understand how that's a controversial issue. Um, but, yeah. but it is, because it is built, it's, it's built in and ingrained to so many people. You know, I'm lucky that my, I'm lucky my parents were you know, cool and not shitty fucking racist, <laughs> I guess. So, um, yeah, man. yeah. Okay. Raj talk about, uh, some good things. Oh man. Good things. Um, well, it, it, real quick, with, hard real to... quick with the punk and hardcore stuff. There's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people raising a lot of money. I saw, um, so I saw like Triple B Records, Edgewood Records, um, Oxnard's Dead Heat, Take Offense, a lot of bands stepping up, um, you know, raising funds for various things. Um, all the profits from the the pod for June went to uh, the San Diego Bail uh, Foundation. I feel weird talking about this stuff online, and I feel weird kind of talking about it now. But uh, so there's that, and. Uh, yeah, we're going to try to do some more stuff with, uh, I know Heartwork Coffee here in San Diego, they're donating all the their profits for like a week, um, I believe, to the same organization. I don't know if they, they've they uh, stated the organization. We're going to do something with them. I gave them some in-control test presses, some retaliate test presses, so hopefully we'll auction those off or, uh, or do a raffle or something like that soon. So there's a lot of people stepping up and donating. That's That's a, that's a good thing to do. Um, you know, to help out. Um, sorry for stepping on you there, Roger. I'll, I'll shoot it back to you. Oh no, it's all good. Uh, no, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty evident that um, record labels, bands, artists—they're uh, all doing their part. Um, understanding that they have merchandise that can be completely uh, sent, like all profits sent towards various. Uh, groups and um, I think everybody should should really support that sort of thing um, literally you can't go anywhere without seeing a band having their own version of a, of a fundraiser so don't be afraid to support and uh, on a personal level I, it'd be cool if we're, we're all part of a, a pretty awesome community of musicians and friends uh, I'd like to see us kind of put our powers together and put together something in the next month as well. You, you're saying you have another riff left in you after the, the new retaliate record, Roger? <laughs> Jesus. There's, hey man, sometimes all you need to do is be inspired, right? Yeah. Uh, I should say yep. the organization, uh, the pod donated to was the DD McClure community bail fund in San Diego. Um, I looked, I was going to split the money between an organization in uh, Oxnard or Ventura County in San Diego, and I, I couldn't find anything up there. So if someone in Oxnard or Ventura can reach out to me and let me know where I should donate there, that would be much appreciated. Um, but all the money went to D.D. McClure, so we got to wait a month. Oh, yeah. Steve, you got anything else on this? Um. I mean, a lot of positive things are happening, right? Today or yesterday, the Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis City Council pledged to disband the police and create a community-led uh, safety program, you know? Uh, all four officers in George Floyd's murder were charged. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, the ACLU sue people for curfews, sue city for curfews, which is the main reason that the cities are lifting these curfews. 
So we're seeing a lot of this stuff do some really positive change. And if you asked me a few days ago how I felt about everything, I think I would have been pretty negative and pessimistic. But today I have a lot more hope. I have a lot more hope than I have in a long time. Uh, I'm not interested in seeing people hurt or lose. I'm interested in seeing equality and justice win. And I really do think they're different. Uh, I think to speak on what you guys were talking about earlier as to why this equality is controversial, I, I think it has to do with a lot of people truly believing in their heart that it is already equal. And therefore, it's unfair to them to bolster someone else up if, if it's already equal in their mind. I only say this because as much as I want to feel frustration and rage and, and punch these people that say this kind of all lives matter stuff, when I take a second to think about it, uh, if we all committed to trying when we can and when we deem it to be possible or logical to, to try and convert these, these people that we can actually reach because there's a lot of good people out there that have just, whether it's in combination of having poor information and education and kind of living in these sort of socio uh, echo chambers of people in their same ethnic socioeconomic class. Uh, I think there's a lot of them that can still be reached and have their mind changed without somebody yelling at them or demonizing them. I don't like that people are defensive and would turn their back on a cause because they feel attacked. I don't like it any more than the next guy, but it's just how I observe people to be. So I think that there's also something to be said for taking care and compassion when you're trying to open somebody's eyes to this. So today there's a lot more for me to like feel happy and positive about. And like you guys said, a lot of the musical community stepping up to try and really put functional help out there, donating money to various bail funds and organizations fighting this. Roger and I were part of a release on Asian Man Records where all of our band camp sales, since they waived their fees, are going towards various anti-fascist and anti-racist causes. My band, uh, our whole first pre-order run of our merch on our online store is all being donated to those same sort of organizations. And so uh, it feels good. And I encourage anybody out there who's able to, uh, you don't have to because obviously there's a lot of different ways to help. But if you're feeling really anxious, and negative, and just scared, I've gotten a lot of therapy in just going out to peaceful protests and being around a bunch of other people that feel the same way we do, that think like we do. And to see all these people show up that are willing to stand up and fight for what's right, it's really uplifting and is like a really heavy dose of positivity. It's really good. And it really makes me feel like super hopeful. So, yeah. We're, we're well past a week of protest now, right? Yeah, two weeks almost. Um, this isn't, this has, this does not look like it's, it's ending anytime soon, which is great. And, and you can see it um, kind of, you see it throughout the whole world now. Um, there's more countries coming in and, and, and uh, showing support, um, which is incredible. It, all of this truly, I believe, speaks volumes. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I felt I felt pretty pretty helpless like a week ago, you know. But to see the passion that that uh, so many people have right now, I feel like uh, we we could very well start to see um, some change. Um, we can only just keep on keep on fighting. Um, but yeah. We're seeing awesome change. I mean, even the Marines just released a statement, the Marine Corps banning the use or, you know, flying of the Confederate flag for good. You know, they released a public statement. Uh, we got cities committing towards to banning the use of tear gas and rubber bullets because we have really good organizations filing these lawsuits against them and stuff. So there's so much good stuff 
by way of human, like hippy dippy love shit, which is legit, but by way of legislation and actual real objective change within the systems that exist and then are not going to go away overnight, which is also really important. Yeah, a lot of people might think it's lame to say, but uh, voting does matter. You know, it really does. So, absolutely. Vote, vote, people. Register your friends to vote and uh, get out there. Call your congressman. All that uh, that shit you don't think matters. It 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 matters. It really does now. It really Every, does. Everything is uh, everything's really really getting there. Uh, it's just uh, I can't help but but think about how much uh, lack of action or uh, yeah lack of action on the part of the president this this far into this and um, silence really speaks volumes you know at a time like this I really think that um, people should stop being afraid to to kind of voice their support I, I feel like that's that's the thing that people really need to kind of start to take all this information and and to think about history and really truly understand how long this this struggle has been it's just so uh, compelling to see this mass of people finally having their voices start to be heard so can't give up now. Yeah, I do want to say that, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to still get offended by Trump because we've been so numb to it because it feels like there's something every day. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's almost like when he talks, it's just fucking white noise or it's the parents on peanuts talking at this point. But um, I think that one thing that should never get overstated or forgotten is while he was giving that speech in the Rose Garden saying he stands of the peaceful protesters like they did clear out peaceful protesters with uh, no warning before curfew with um they argue that it wasn't uh tear gas but some sort of gas rubber bullets um in order for him to go take a photo op in front of a church he doesn't attend holding a bible that wasn't his um you know didn't read a passage out of it didn't go survey the damage that the church had taken the night before or anything. And, and that's just fucking insane. Um, you know, for the president to do something like that, um, in my opinion. So I don't know, like, I, I know that Biden's not an inspiring dude, but, uh, like I'd vote for an eggplant over Trump, you know, I'll vote for the lamp. And yeah. I'll vote for the lamp in your house over him. And we need to not get complacent yeah. and, get them out. You know, there's still fucking kids in cages. There's still uh, so many terrible things going on. And uh, we got to get this fucker out of there. You know, he, uh, at the very least, you know, the president should have a little bit of empathy. And uh, that's, that's what I'm looking for more than anything. So uh, I'll, end my, uh, I'll end my piece there. He's gone so strong that He's carried all his followers with him, and maybe four years ago when he was first elected, there was still some wiggle room for decent, thoughtful people to support him. But in benefit of us, he's gone so much further than anyone ever thought he would that he's kind of helped us in that if you still ride with him, again, you're just exposing yourself. And we're able to like identify these people. And I'm, of course world is a complex place. There's always exceptions, but as a generalization, we know what kind of values these kind of people lack to be able to support this now, you know? Yeah. Uh, Roger, closing thoughts? Um, I think I, I pretty much said my piece. Um, yeah. I want to say something. Yep. I'm taking the time to say this to all my, uh, Friends who are white American, like you, Zach. Uh, I think this is the most kind of real for you guys. 
And for anybody who's taking the time and energy to speak up or use their platform or whatever their creative outlet is to bring attention to this issue, I want to thank. And so thank you, Zach, for using your platform to, you know, take the time to talk about this and give us an opportunity to talk about this. I appreciate it a lot. And I appreciate every, although it's not a problem exclusive to white Americans, it is one that's particularly uncomfortable for them. So, you know, I really appreciate everybody who is stepping up to try and uh, speak against this and do something about it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. I well, appreciate it. Well, uh, uh, okay. It's not, it's not the most uncomfortable for me. I didn't have a, f- a cop's fucking knee on my neck. We're, we're not, we're not the, uh, we're not the sympathetic people here. So some, yeah. of, some of us will do what no, I, I some of us will, do what we can, but it's not a, it's not about us. It's our time to, you know, uh, basically do what we can to show our support, show support and empower the people that we care about. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, the whole thing's difficult. It's hard to, it's hard to talk about. Um, so yeah, I hope people, uh, took something from this episode. I had, I had seen Roger and Steve be pretty impassioned about this. And like I said, um, you know, this platform has not been built by myself. It's been built with the support of many people around me. And so, uh, I thought it was a good time to share it with, uh, outspoken people on this issue because it would be kind of, it would be kind of weird to say nothing. Um, and that's where I'm coming from on this. Um, but I appreciate I, I appreciate you saying that, Steve. That was nice. But uh, I mean it sincerely, man. Yeah, but this is not about us. I feel, I feel like uh, people, more people doing stuff like this, um, bringing it to a personal level, and um, kind of talking like in this format specifically can really help people. Uh, understand uh, what it is that is going on because you know it's just so very clear that uh, people are still very blind to to this whole reality um, and this this whole fight is isn't going to be solved overnight obviously it's we've been in we're in hundreds of years of this but um, don't give up now because this is all helping. No, there's, there's, there's lots of, of talks and discussions to have, um, in the future and fixing this problem is not easy because legislation is not easy. It's set up to be slow. Um, and systematic things unfortunately can't change overnight. Right. But, but this is an issue where it's so plain to see that like, we have to not let it get hijacked, you know, um, into too many things. It's like, this is straight up injustice. We saw it in a video, you know, a knee is on a dude's neck for over eight minutes, like unjustifiably, the guy's in handcuffs. It's on him for two minutes after he's not responsive. Like if you can't look at that and see the injustice, then I don't, I, I question your humanity, you know? And, and I think that like, if we keep things, you know, keep, keep the, keep the eyes on that, you know, like that is, that's real injustice. So while the, uh, the solutions may be difficult, the problem, the problem has been very simple and laid out for us, right? That this is fucking wrong, you know? And, uh, I don't know. That's what I got on that. You guys, you guys with that? Well said. Well said, man. Okay. Yeah. Well said. All right. Um, let's wrap it up. Unless you guys got anything else. No, man. Um, hopefully maybe, uh, we'll have the opportunity to, to speak on this more as it progresses because, uh, a lot has already changed in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, people please send me, uh, Ventura County organizations to donate to. Um, and that's that. Thank you for listening guys. 
Uh, you can shoot your feedback to 185milesouth at gmail.com, and I will read your opinions the next time we do this, if we do it again. Um, yeah, I'll read it at some point. So uh, shoot me over your thoughts, positive or negative. Thank you. Have a nice night or day.